Before we start today's show, I have a special request. We've never done this before. We're doing a TMBA community survey. That's right. We want to learn more about you, the wonderful, very good-looking TMBA listeners. Especially, we want to know about what you enjoy and get value from and also how we can improve the show. So please pause the show for a moment and head on over to tropicalmba.com survey to fill out a very short form. And as a thank you, you'll be automatically entered to win some great products and prizes donated by some amazing companies that include AppSumo, Authentic Leather Patch Company, The Bean Ninjas, Cat Coke, Click Minded, Empire Flippers, Manta Sleep, and Minal. That's M-I-N-A-A-L. That's right. These are like, this is an incredible giveaway. There's a lot of free prizes in for some lucky survey respondents. We appreciate your energy, letting us know your feedback. Again, you can see the full details over at tropicalmba.com slash survey. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Welcome back. We're in Austin. One more month sprint to go. We're doing a lot of work until we go to Barcelona where we're going to do decidedly less work. You were sharing with me your bike plan, you know, to get fit for uh, for your trip in the Pyrenees. And I'm just thinking like, yeah, that's another hour. You're not going to be working on stuff for the business. You know, Great. It's unbelievable. Even you manage me. It's unbelievable after all these years. <laughs> Speaking of management, the theme of today's show was inspired by a recent, and I think it's fair to say, very rare event. That's right. Me and you, in an effort to become more productive, decided to wait for it. Go to the office for a day. Hey, everybody. I'm, I'm on my first commute in 10 years. Uh, I just got a text from Ian who said, I'm going to be late which I would have bet a lot of money that he was going to be late. And then he posted a photo of the Google Maps traffic congestion as if that's an excuse for being late. And then uh, suggests that we go to a coffee shop instead because it's closer to him. <laughs> uh, I got to say, I'm only going a few miles away, but it's it's... The Google map says it's going to take me 22 minutes to get there. So I remember this. This part, I definitely remember. What time is it? Uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. It's 10 o'clock in the morning, and we finally made it to our first meeting. I think the best thing for them to do is to upload their job. The idea that someone's going to see your ad, read our sales page, and then say, you know what? I'm going to like upload my job. I'm going to tell them what I want. I'm going to do this and that. That feels to me like the best option. Yeah. So I would prioritize that. I think ultimately we want this whole process to be automated. That would yeah. be ideal. 
Mariska, the reason why it isn't automated right now is because our copy isn't good enough for it to be automated. So as our copy improves, as our testimonials improve, as our marketing improves, like there should be less and less reasons to get on the phone with us. That brings up uh, one of our pieces of feedback was to make sure we put the price on the no upfront fee section. Because uh, in my world, Mariska, when I see like schedule a consultation and then there's no price, I always think, oh, this is going to cost a ton of money. And, <laughs> yeah. and they're going to try to like convince me on the phone. That's why they don't want to put the price. Okay, yeah. Uh, no, I agree with uh, all of those points. Might take a while. Maybe I'll get back to you guys tomorrow, my time. Hey, one more thing I wanted to take your temperature on is... Uh... Let's see. I made it until 3.05 p.m. We had lunch at the office. We had two coffees. Ian made it until about 1.30 <laughs> there's a wonderful trail close to here i brought my bike in the car so i'm going to uh go for a bike ride and then uh probably do a little email this evening as well but uh i must admit that i was definitely more productive today than i would have been if i would have stayed home a lot of that is working with ian staying locked in and realizing how rare and valuable it was to be able to be like collaborating with him. And so it really felt like let's take advantage of these hours and then, you know, time for a bike ride. All right. So Ian, the concept of today's episode really revolves around this fundamental issue. I think of organizational productivity. We all want to get more done. We all want to have the best businesses possible with the most efficient inputs and, you know, part of me last week was like, hey, let's go on to the office. And it made me think that there are so many open questions about remote teams versus having an office versus having a hybrid model. And I thought what we do today is pose five of them. I'll consider them open. I know you consider a lot of them closed, more closed. My primary concern here with this episode and with what we're going to talk about today is that it could be in direct conflict with our new business, Dynamite Jobs, <laughs> which is hiring for 100% remote teams. Yeah, but here's the thing. I mean, we don't need every business to be remote. Even if we conclude at the end of this episode that remote teams are less productive, people are still going to be like, yep, I'm going remote. <laughs> There's no question about it. Totally. Why? Because of the commute, because of the anxiety of where you're going to park your car. The cost. All right. Number one open question, Ian, is the, quote, go all office or go all remote advice that's getting popular realistic. So it's quite common on this show and in conference talks and people we've been talking to, friends of ours, there's a movement happening in the remote space that essentially says you know, both have their upsides and downsides, but you cannot have this society or this culture of haves and haves nots inside of your company. If you decide to go remote, go 100% all remote and lean into it and make it be partially what your company is all about. One of the many claims that people make is if you have some employees that are remote, they don't get to advance their career in the same way. They feel like second-class citizens because they don't get to make appeals directly to the management of the company who are ostensibly at the, the home office, etc. On the other side of things, if you have certain people, potentially the key people in an office, 
This doesn't become like a rallying cry of your culture of flexibility, freedom, remoteness, all this kind of stuff. You kind of miss out on that opportunity to even let the C-suite people, the top-level brass, identify, promote, and live in a remote culture. So what's your view on this open question that you should go all office or you should go all remote? Well, we were hybrid before this this latest company. So our product design and development company was a hybrid. We started with an office in uh, San Diego and we were hiring people there. We had a warehouse. And then we basically figured out that our marketing and development needs could be outsourced for lower cost at an, at an advantage, right? Yeah, and outsource isn't probably the correct technical term. Sure, we could offshore our costs, basically. These were people that were... These, you're still using like 2000s terms, man. <laughs> I'm sorry to rip you a little bit about it, but I mean, we hired employees in other countries. Well, look, I'm I'm wearing the old Nikes. I'm wearing the old Jordans. At the time, we were offshoring <laughs> our costs, but we were a hybrid company. And part of what you're saying, I think, is true, Dan, which is like those people, they didn't have the same pull as the people in the office. They didn't have the same responsibilities either. But the reason we did it is because primarily because it was a lower cost solution for us, you know, and we could find the best person for the job at a rate that we could afford. Like at the time, we just couldn't afford like a full-time marketer in San Diego. And so that was the reason why we did it. That being said, you know, something that you didn't mention in this remote model or in our case before this hybrid model is like getting cheated on. I remember getting cheated on like many times by these people that claim they were working for you exclusively. And then, you know, like we never installed like these time tracking apps and stuff like that, like a lot of companies do. And then it's like, oh, like not so much got done on Tuesday and now it's Wednesday and not so much got done either. And it's like, we didn't have all the systems in place to like really track these people because at, I thought they were adults, you know, a lot of times like they can keep track of themselves. But then you, know, you find out people are working two jobs or they're just not very effective or they've never worked remote before. So they don't know how to keep a structured environment. All these, all these problems came up for us. Well, and the other thing that happens is like the other way around is that the people in the office start to see the remote people and they start to ask themselves questions like, well, they're allowed to live like anywhere in the world. Can I at least work from home or can I at least take an extended vacation somewhere? And so that kind of haves and haves nots things goes both ways in certain companies as well. Yeah. But I also think in our case early on, like people actually wanted to go to the office. Like there was a sense of community there. I actually did a presentation on this, as you remember, a couple of years ago. And I said, like, our competitive advantage was, like, we were employing people at a lower cost outside of the United States, but then we had everybody in an office. Well, yeah. And I think your point was the reason I can live in Texas and run a company in California, like, the office was my management hack, essentially. Yeah. And I'd show up, like, once a quarter, you know, and we'd have meetings and, and do reviews and things like that. And it seemed to work for us. But you know, bringing back into question your thoughts about full remote or full office, I'm starting to lean towards the side of one or the other. I think the hybrid model, you know, I guess what I learned from from that first experience was like the people that weren't in the office, they were almost like second class citizens. And I mean that in like a nice way. Like they didn't feel like full team members or full employees because they weren't there physically. And so, like you're saying, they kind of got treated that way. We're going to talk about this a little bit more in the episode, but I think it really matters what stage of the company you're in, too, whether or not you're full remote or a hybrid or 
not remote at all. All right. Well, I'll just say this before we get moving on to sec- question number two. I'll say my piece. Sure. My current thought is this is one of those pieces of advice that sounds good on paper, but that it just doesn't matter all that much. It's like not particularly realistic. I think hybrid teams are fine. All this philosophy makes sense until, you know, let's bring everybody in house because all these like really strong reasons. And then there's like one developer that you like just crushes for your product. And it's like, okay, well, let's hire a development team remote then. And I just don't think it's like that big of a deal to have a remote hybrid team. So that's my view on that right now. Although I am fascinated by the advice and I do see the value if, if you know in advance, for example, that you do want to build a remote company, to not use that as an asset and as a part of your culture would be insane, right? But I mean, if you've got a hybrid model going on, I don't think it's like that valuable that it's worth changing it all around so that you can say that about yourself. You know, there's plenty of other things that make a company worth working for. If you can't put the remote feather in your hat, that's not the worst thing in the world. You know, you can still offer flexibility and autonomy in a hybrid model. Sure. I think one of the other things that's worth mentioning here, Dan, is that, and I feel pretty confident in saying this, which is, I don't think we've ever done a good job in any company building a company culture. The culture, it was baked into that office that we had in San Diego. Like That was like a basically an easy way to create culture. You hire like the same like people with the same kind of values, yeah. and you put them in the same kind of place, and exactly, and they've already opted in because they are in that city, you know. Meanwhile, with our new company, me and you are hammering out documents. We're throwing events. We're having to do a lot more to try to recreate a similar kind of cohesiveness. Correct. Yeah, and I think that's the point I'm, I want to make, which is if you have a remote team, it seems like a lot more energy and effort needs to go into the culture. Already in number two question that is open in my view. Are there fundamental problems in remote teams that will never be fully addressed to the satisfaction that we maybe once had when we were in office? Essentially, their remoteness in every sense of the term for both the owners and the employees. Like This seems to be the crux of the complaint that people have about remote teams is essentially they're remote, right? It's like, the knife cuts both ways. Is this ever going to get addressed? This sort of sense of maybe a little bit of disconnect or alienation that comes with these things. So I'll start by just talking about what I think is a, an interesting idea around this, which is like mature companies versus companies that are just starting out. And when I think about a lot of mature companies, I, I think about a lot of mature people, older people maybe even, that know what their role is or they're professionals. They've been doing it for 15 or 20 years. They are good communicators. They know what their job is. They know how to execute on it well. And I think that it's interesting because the companies that are probably in the best position to go remote don't go remote because they've been in this kind of hardened brick and mortar infrastructure for so long. But actually, these might be the people that in the organizations that could benefit from it the most because they get to cut the overhead. These people that are very directed, that are good at what they do that are motivated, are able to do it with a little bit more freedom and autonomy, then there's not a lot of benefit in being in the same room anymore. Right. It's like the cool, sexy bootstrap startup that you think, man, they should really be in a room together. Exactly. And the reason for that, I think, is because there's a lot of efficiency in communications when you're first starting to get to know each other and to know a process and a product and all that. So we're starting to work on Dynamite Jobs, which is our newest venture. And Dan, you and I... Yeah, we're starting. I mean... 
I was going to laugh that we say we're doing it for eight months or whatever, but you know, that's just starting. Well, I'll tell you what, dude, here's what I'm getting to is I feel like we're just starting because me and you have been in the same room for the last couple of months. And you and I have worked on this a lot more than we did the previous eight months. So the previous eight months, it was like you and I would kind of get on a phone call. We'd tell people that we're working with like, oh, why don't you execute on that? Like you and I are actually sitting down today, writing the sales copy, doing things that we know no one else can do. And that's happening because we're in the same room. And I think that there's a huge advantage that we have right now over where we were six months ago when we were apart. The sexy new startup, it could be a huge advantage for those people to be in the same room for at least the first six months or a year and then disperse from there. I think there's a lot of companies out there that get it done regardless if you're in the same room or not. Part of it has to do with how tight these documents are maybe that we're talking about, these culture documents. Part of it has to do with how mature the whole team is. Part of it has to do with how professional everybody is. Part of it has to do with how airtight the idea is for the company. You know, there's like so many X factors. You know, our case, we're like kind of working on this new idea, new company. Like there's like so many variables, right? We didn't just like go out and say like, hey, we're going to manufacture furniture. It's not like an established process. It's like a brand new process around all this stuff. So for me, being in the same room as you, and I would say like we're very, me and you are very good communicators. Yeah. Online and offline. I'm having tons of If you had a bad experience with us, that was just a... a, a Exactly. (laughs) I'm seeing tons of benefit to being face-to-face. Well, I mean, the other thing is that in some ways, one of our hacks over the years, we've been remote from each other 95% of the time we've been business partners is because we had a relationship that was beyond business. And so the way we could communicate with each other was beyond protocol, if that makes sense. And that I think is important at the core of a company that people like live and breathe it. So it's like text message at 1130 at night, no biggie. Jump on the phone every morning. I mean, we for years we did phone calls like you at 730 p.m. 1130. 1130. Well, and, and vice versa. So I don't know if like, that doesn't work as well for team members. It works okay for business partners. Right. Especially if you're going across these time zones. The other thing that, that you mentioned, which is important, is we had an in-person relationship before we went remote. So like we established this base and then we went remote. These things are, they can seem like they're nuances, but I think they're probably pretty important. All this stuff is new. That's why we're talking about it. And like, there's no book about this stuff yet, I don't think, that I'm aware of. Well, it, part of what jumped into my mind was like, there's some answer in the middle that's messy that's going to probably work best to solve both of these. So like, you know, renting a big office and dropping a bunch of beanbag chairs in it and stuff, probably for most companies that are bootstrapped and starting up, not the best idea. On the other hand, just hiring a bunch of smart people and having Slack meetings, probably not the best idea ever. This conversation makes me think, you know, of course, team retreats, but maybe when you found a new company, you should bring all the core people to one city for three months. Like maybe that should just be part of the startup. You know, it's expensive. Maybe you go somewhere cheap together though or something. I mean, it's disruptive and weird and stuff, but there's gotta be answers like that somewhere that make sense. Or maybe you get a little traction first and then you bring people in or whatever, but it's an open question. I think that's fair to say. Hey, yo, today's show is sponsored by Revision Legal. These are lawyers who understand what we're all about here at the pod. If you got a legal problem, even if you don't have a legal problem, 
get ahead of it and give the team at Revision Legal a call. Revision Legal is a firm that truly understands entrepreneurs and internet business. They don't think Amazon products are about logging and timber. That's right. Revision Legal really understands entrepreneurs because they're part of the community and they're around them all the time. So the unique challenges and questions that you face, they're equipped to help you address them, whether it's combining assets and forming a new joint venture, protecting your brand through trademark registration, Amazon FBA products through patent protection, or just trying to buy and sell digital assets. Revision Legal has your back because it focuses on online companies just like yours. Their attorneys listen to your goals, your pain points, take the time to understand your business, and then create a plan personalized for you. So look, legal questions and dilemmas come in many shapes and sizes. Don't let them keep you up at night. Give the team at Revision Legal a call and get it sorted out before this stuff bites you in the butt. So check out the team over at revisionlegal.com and don't hesitate to drop them a line if you're seeking advice or help. Number three open question, what is the role of time zones? It's a mixed bag out there right now. You know, one of the things you can do at Dynamite Jobs and a lot of other job sites is you can sort by time zone. Obviously, this is important for customer service roles. That decision's easy in my mind. I mean, if you need somebody to serve Asia customer service, you just hire someone on that time zone. But the more interesting issue to me is like, what do you do with the whole team? It's probably the best idea in my mind that the whole team is on a very similar time zone. So I used to think it was like really cool when we were manufacturing in China, how like I could write a bunch of emails and then like I'd wake up and like those emails were like responded to. Yeah. You know, because like the working days were opposite each other. I remember like always hanging very late on Friday afternoons. That's the thing about it that I was going to say, which is like, yeah, you do get to wake up to a lot of answers, but you also spend like several days a week actually hanging around. So there was like a little bit of an overlap. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but I think it's like pretty telling that like, yeah, you need instant communication with people to figure out complex problems a lot of times. Like you can't just be like back and forth emails, especially if you don't have like an established relationship and like know what everybody's doing all the time and all these things that you might in an office. Yeah. First principle for me, Dan, is like trying to hire the best people you can. If they happen to be in different time zones and like fix that problem later. Starting with the time zones thing is interesting as long as you can get the quality of people at the price that you can afford. It's interesting too, because, you know, a lot of people are listening to this saying, well, you hire in one time zone and then people are flying around to other time zones and it's hard to think to control as well. Yeah. And you got some people like myself, I do not do particularly well personally with calls all around the clock with everybody all the time. It, it feels I can sometimes get into the phase, depending on where people are, that I feel like I'm just always kind of working at a low hum, you know, that yeah. I can never get the shut down because it's 3 p.m. and you know you have a call at 11 p.m. It's like, a, and then you had a call at 8 a.m. So it's a weird kind of, just you're always stressed. You're always kind of like on it. I don't deal with that well, but it seems like there are people who do deal with that well. And I, I don't know quite how to filter for that yet. I mean, we've had employees who regularly jump on the calls late at night and seem to do really well with it or early in the morning. Yeah, I think especially when you have employees that choose to be in a different time zone than the majority of people, it's like they almost have to be 
the kind of people that are okay jumping on a call at 11 p.m. Some people love it too because yeah. they're like, you know, I used to have to be in bed by 11 and now I get to work at night when I'm most productive or it's a case-by-case thing. But I do know of a lot of companies that demand that everybody's kind of in the same time zone. And that makes a lot of sense to me because, I mean, when you're trying to hire the best people, like, you know, these time zones are like really long. They go from the top of the globe to the bottom, right? So like, it's pretty easy to find like a really excellent person in a decent time zone. If you're starting a business from the beginning, yeah, you try and get the best people, but the chances that you can find the best people in like a very similar time zone, I think is pretty good. Open question number four. What is the most important metric for determining remote decisions? This is a very open question because I think it's interesting to take a look at, you know, what's motivating from a business perspective. Like we talk a lot about values. Like we really value like a big talent pool. We really value like our freedom or whatever. But it's also interesting to take a look at the business case. Like could we look at profit per employee? Could we look at cost per employee? Could we look at established versus non-established business processes? You know, of course, there's an advantage to giving everyone together once in a while. Could there be like a certain metric that came about that motivated folks to say like, man, this business needs to be remote or this business needs to be in an office? You know, in our case, we simply could not afford the people that we needed in an office and I often wonder when I look at like more successful businesses with more profit per employee because they have like a gangbuster product in a nice industry or whatever, and they do have like the cool offices and they do have cool stuff going on. Is it just a matter of profit? If this company could afford it, they would bring everybody under the roof and have a culture together. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because we've had an office before. We went to the office the other day. It always seems like there becomes a point where there's diminishing returns, everybody getting together, and then it always seems like there's some politics involved. The benefit, you know, disappears, and then all of a sudden the magnet flips and you're on the other side of things. You're like, man, we should really go full remote. Yeah. So, you know, getting back to your argument about like a hybrid, maybe it's true, you know, because these things, they kind of, they're kind of like polar opposites to each other. Well, you could imagine there being a hybrid within the same company. So for example, like what if there was like an awesome office space attached to a living space that for like two months out of the year, your company rented and then swapped it with other companies. You could just imagine how much benefit there would be to that. But that, yeah, on that third month, we've all seen this where you go to offices that are really cool and they're cool companies and it's quiet because people are just locked into their headphones and know what they got to do or they're working from home or whatever. Right. A couple of things. Talked to Brent Bishore on this uh, podcast several episodes ago now, but he was talking about his model where he has an office, which is basically an old converted house with an apartment upstairs. And so when their team members from out of state or out of the area come into town to work, they go to the office, but they stay at the apartment. Same thing with like valued customers. They stay in the apartment. So I think that that's kind of a cool model, like what you're talking about. The other thing is... uh. Old business book, one of the first ones that I read that I really liked, Ricardo Semler, Maverick. I think his like management process in a lot of ways to me was like galvanizing, like the way that he ran that company and the way that he treated his employees. I haven't seen a business yet, Dan, that has like this hybrid model. 
But I think in the next couple of years, somebody's going to like... Like a true hybrid model. Yeah, there. there's going to there's gonna be somebody that does it in a business that's really big and, and good and all the employees love it and like... So let's clarify, by hybrid, you don't mean like, here's like the office space, nine to five pencil protector people that come in and then we've got the offshore people or we've got the people who work in, you know, X crazy country because they're right. good at marketing or whatever. You're talking about like a whole third way. Yeah. I think that somebody's going to come up with it. And there's a ton of process that's going to be involved in here, but somebody's going to come up with it. And I think we're all going to look at it and be like, oh yeah, I, I can see that. And then people are going to copy the model. And But no one's no one's written the playbook yet. Right now, what it feels like that playbook is something like go to a couple team retreats a year, maybe incentivize, like you see some companies like offering salary incentives to be co-located. So it's like, hey, you can live anywhere, but if you like want to live in San Francisco or New York where the most of us are, we'll give you a thousand extra bucks a month to cover that like extra expense or whatever. And then, you know, you have like a really solid meeting schedule or whatever, and that's supposed to approximate, you know, the best of both worlds, the best of the freedom, autonomy, and creativity and talent pool, and then the best of that office world where like people have a ability to move on up in the organization and all of that. Let's get on to the, the final thing, but it just occurred to me like, you know, one of the potential blind spots of remote organizations is just this ability for your employees to be more aggressive. You know, it's something I mentioned in a few episodes ago when we were talking about this issue about moving on up and like figuring out like whether you want to go to the corner office and having a bigger role in the company might look like and feel like and I really wonder if we've missed out on that and that remote companies do miss out on truly being able to elevate the most ambitious people in their organization because of the remote nature, the difficulty of understanding those dynamics. All right. Well, that leads us then to our number five open question. Does a new management style need to be developed? And I'll use this question as a bit of foreshadowing. Ian, we're always taking a look at how we manage things and how we can do it better, different. And there's a book that's very popular. It's called Traction. And there's a couple Traction books out there. This one is written by Gino Wickham. And it's it's just truly very, very popular. It, it almost reminds me a little bit like the way we speak about getting things done for personal productivity. Traction is sort of that promise for business productivity. So I want to foreshadow that me and you are going to be doing a rereadables episode coming down the pike on traction. So if you want to read it along with us, analyze it on this show, we'd love to do that with you. The question then, does a new management style need to be developed? Do you need to manage differently? You know, the jury's out a little bit. To me, the answer is yes, but how, right? Like it's an open question. One of the things that the office does is it inspires all of this discipline that might feel arbitrary and might be annoying, but it's there nonetheless, and you don't need to like create it all the time. What time do you get to the office? You get there at nine. What time do you leave the office? You leave there at five. What time do you get on the same page with all your employees at the 10 a.m. Monday morning meeting? That's just not really the case with the same amount of effort with a remote team. Now, you could say, while I'm spending X amount of tens of thousands of dollars a month to have the office. Can I just write a process for this? Can't we all just show up? 
could I spend 500 bucks right in the process? And so it really like transfers a lot of that responsibility and discipline that once was embodied by bricks and mortar, literally. And it puts it on the entrepreneur and says, hey, you got to cop to this. You got to decide what the discipline is going to be in your business. You know, and I can speak for the podcast team here. I don't think, aside from planned vacations and things like that, I don't think we've ever missed a meeting like in three or four years. Yeah. And the pod comes up every week. So there's a discipline there that we don't need an office for. And the question I think is how can you find the right disciplines and stick to them in your business? So the core question being like, does there need to be a new style of management? I think absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think like, it was one of those things like it became easier quicker to get remote than it did to figure out how to manage it. So it was like, Oh, all of a sudden Skype exists. Oh, all of a sudden these new pieces of technology exist. Like I don't need to be here anymore. But then like the management side of things, I, f- I really feel like Dan has, has been lagging. We spent a lot of time on this podcast and in meetups in the DC uh, talking about how to manage people remotely and certainly how to build teams remotely. And so I don't feel like there's been a definitive like guide written on this stuff. I feel like it's very open. And I feel like the reason for that, the primary reason for that is just like human psychology. Like we all like to think that we're like very good at it and we understand people and like how they operate and like what motivates them and things like that. But the truth of it is, I think, which is what you pointed to, which is like the office does a lot of that work for us. So like when you're focused and when you're forced to be in front of people like all day, every day, like in a little room together, like the dynamic is different. Once all these people are spread out and dispersed over the internet, like you're forced to like deal with different psychological problems, you know? I don't feel like as an entrepreneur, like we've really evolved to deal with that skill set effectively yet. So it'd be cool. I think I would love to read more about this stuff. I would love to read more about like how to effectively manage people remotely and like And on the other side, how to work remotely. Here's a situation I think a lot of people can relate to. Like in the office, we used to complain, oh my gosh, people interrupting me all the time. They come by my desk, ask me stuff. Well, now you're a remote worker. You sit down and you work on something for two hours and you need someone sign off to do the next hour of work. And so you like message that person or call that person. They're not around. That person gets back to you like two and a half hours later. And then you're like, oh, let's get on a call in an hour Or maybe that person took the afternoon off and they come back the next morning. And this is a situation on both sides that I haven't sorted out for myself. You know, we've got the meetings lined up, we've got this, but that concurrent working thing, there's also diminishing returns to that. I think there's a couple tools. People are probably listening to the show thinking like, whoa, like Slack solves a lot of these issues. We're trying to get away from Slack in our organization. Slack for me in the beginning, it like, tried to solve that a lot of these problems basically which is like essentially like an online workspace a water cooler literally we have a channel called water cooler yeah but it got to the point where there was like tons of action items and like requests and like it just became like my second inbox basically and i couldn't keep track of it all anymore because there was like all these threads and all these people so there's not a guide that I've seen to like set up Slack effectively for remote teams. Like these are the channels that you should create. You shouldn't create. Like these are the types of conversations that you should keep on email. These are the things that you should talk about in Slack. And of course, Slack's not going to talk about this, right? They like, they're incentivized. Like we want all the communication to go through Slack. Slack came along and bit off more than they could chew, essentially saying like, 
get rid of email and bring on Slack instead. And recently we created a process in our company where it was like, that's the wrong move for us right now. So we decided to make the distinction where Slack would be used for text messaging between team members for like real-time collaboration on projects and for water cooler conversations, but it will not be used for anything that is actionable, anything that you expect people to read. So in other words, like if it's in Slack, you can't expect that people are responsible for it, whereas email it is. And then finally, the thing that was really bothering me was items of like strategic project importance not happening in email. Because what you'd have is you'd have like people collaborating on a project and then they like set a KPI and like deliver the project scope or whatever. And it's just like in this random chat in Slack. And so we were like, nope, that's got to be like an email. So I just mentioned this to say like, these are the sorts of decisions that we're all making every day is like, how do you use these tools? How do you, you know, that would have been delivered at the Monday morning meeting. And we don't want to have that meeting in our remote team, you know, where everybody stands there and talks about their KPIs, although it might be a good thing to do. Well, just for me, it just highlights like this idea that like, there's a bunch of tools out there and like, no one's come out with like a definitive guide on like, this is how I built a $100 million company. For companies with offices too, it's not like there's like a definitive guide necessarily, but... But there's a lot of history. Yeah. And I'm sure like Europe has their own culture of office politics and whatnot. I understand American office politics like very well, you know, but there's like a huge history. Like everybody knows like their like mom or dad went to an office and like the types of things that like got done there. So people understand the convention. So let's wrap this up. Should we go all remote? Should we go all in on an office? Should it be some kind of hybrid? I feel like we have more questions than we have answers at this point. What questions, what answers do you all have? We pose these questions because we're curious. We're following the blogs. We're looking at the Twitters. We're looking at the people that are actually building these businesses and trying to learn as much as we can from them. I'm, I'm sure in the future, this will be a theme, having these founders on our show to share the processes that are working for them. In the meantime, we thought we'd share some of the questions and see what the audience has. And we'll start to peck away at them this year, Ian, as we start to grow our remote business along with all of yours. That's it. This one's going to be posted at tropicalmba.com slash office or remote. And just for fun, because it's fun to uh, laugh at ourselves occasionally, we're going to rerun our most recent blooper reel after the end of the bumper music plenty of bloopers that's it boss man thanks for joining me we'll be back next thursday morning 8 a.m eastern standard time see you then hey thanks for listening to the tropical mba podcast you can go to tropicalmba.com get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies load up your ipod that is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. All right, so without further ado, adieu. (laughs) Sorry. I always think of this one 
David Letterman, he always said, without further ado, I just loved he would like lean into it. Anyway. Figuring out a way to be authentic. And Harrison, just grab that authenticity thing and just put it in the New Year's Eve episode. There we go. I like it. Authentic. <laughs> it's like a perfect word. Like it's where you would go. I yeah. like it. Authentic. <laughs> yeah, Francesca. French, fr- I'll say it another way. By Francesa Angelini. I don't know the right word to say it. DCPKKK. <laughs> all right, all right, I got this. <laughs> That's a different sort of conference. One of the most exciting things for me, people ask me, oh, you know, how did 2007 go? One of the breakthroughs for me, honest. Wait a second. How did 2007 go? Yeah. 17. Oh, sorry. Because both of these authors. But because both of these off, because both of these off, off <laughs> because both of these authors were on the show this year. What are you doing? Take a smoke break over there? No, I'm trying to think about. <laughs> I, I can't remember why we. Uh, we started talking about this because of you. Jesus, well, remind was, me. And then I'll come you out. were talking about looking at Instagram or whatever these things uh, are. Well, you got to give me an alley oop into that social media shit. Ian, you were the one who who wrote this down. <laughs> wearing a seatbelt was like sort of like a macho thing not to do it do you remember this not really i think this was are we from different, different parts, parts of the country, country? Yeah. <laughs> i was always, always driving way too fast all right you know what i'm gonna move on before i expose myself and my redneck roots <laughs> cut that out all right let's move on to uh number four or are we on number three i can't remember uh i can't remember either but i, I did london and hanoi so let's move on to number three. All right. Yeah. Okay. We're going to move on to the number three I city. I think it's four, dude. I think we're on number three. If not, we'll have to cut out the numbers. How much longer does Mox have, by the way? He's good, man. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Feeding with a vegan diet or what? That's yeah. <laughs> now he's the only meat eater in the house. <laughs> He'd die. <laughs> Can't eat vegetables. He's a cat. <laughs> I just want to mention this, Dan. If it doesn't go well this year financially, mm-hmm. uh, word on the street is bodybuilders buy breast milk at <laughs> oh, around one fifty to two dollars an ounce. Are you so, serious? Yeah, I got a plan. What? That's yeah. for real? That's for real. There's sites dedicated to it. I can't prove its effectiveness, but what I can tell you is the mother of my child eats very clean. I'm horrified. Uh, I'm, I'm vegan. So, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm, out, I'm, out, I'm out of this phone call. This is... I, that's the most, that's the most, oh, God. See you next week.